You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Good evening. My name is Susan. I have been at Calvary La Habra for five years now. Um, I've had the privilege of serving in children's ministry for three and a half of those years, teaching the third and fourth graders. Um, and been a part of the women's ministry for also three and a half years. So it's a privilege and uh, pleasure to be here with you guys tonight to open up God's word and just go through what the Lord put on my heart um, and share and just open up the scriptures. So we have been taking a few weeks off. We were in um, Joshua. Now we come back to the book of Joshua. And I believe that this study is a timely study to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to have courage to face the battles that we face today in our own lives. Um, And I believe that Joshua has been teaching us a lot about what it means to step out in faith and to obey the Lord when he is asking us to. Um, So the children of Israel were given a promise by the Lord. In fact, it was given from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they were to inherit the land that uh, the Lord had given them. It was an inheritance. And God has been faithful to keep that promise. And we're going through Uh, Joshua, and it's now a new generation, the new generation is to inherit the promise that the Lord has given them. So we're walking through it. So in Joshua chapter 1, we're introduced to a new leader. Moses, the former leader, died, and he was not able to enter into the land or lead the Israelites into the land because he misrepresented the Lord. And the former generation, because of their unbelief, even though the Lord was working miracles on behalf of his people, you saw God's mighty hand Uh, uh, working powerfully with miracle after miracle and the Lord providing for them, yet the former generation, because of their unbelief, did not inherit the promise. So now we're moving forward with a new generation and we're moving forward with seeing, again, God's mighty hand at work on behalf of his people. So we will continue in Joshua chapter 6. So if you are new and you haven't heard our studies, I recommend that you go back and get caught up on what maybe you haven't um, listened to. We've gone through all the way up to chapter 6. Um, so it's, it's good to go back. Um, some of the things Lori in our first study reminds us that physical courage is based on moral courage, um, and that's dependence on the supernatural strength of God. What God calls us to is not always easy, but it's going to be his strength that's going to give us the faith to move forward in obedience. Um, And now we're going to face our battle, the first battle that the um, Israelites are to face to conquer the land. The Lord was giving the land to the Israelites, yet they had to possess the land. They had to take the land. So we see their first battle now, and it's going to require complete dependence on the Lord. They were not going to be able to do this on their own strength. In fact, the battle plan, as we will see, did not make any sense. And what the Lord was asking was going to be to test their faith, to test to see if they were really trusting in the Lord and depending on who he was to help him fight them, fight the battles. We know that God's commandments, we were told in the first week of our study that his commandments are his enablements. He gives us the strength and courage to obey him. But again, this battle is going to be completely dependent on the Lord In chapter 5, we were told that Joshua was um, visited by the commander of the army of the Lord. And that was a powerful moment for Joshua because he fell to his face and worshipped. And I believe that Joshua was now ready to receive instruction from the Lord. He was ready to move forward and receive 
what the Lord was going to ask him to do. It, it was when his heart was surrendered and yielded to the Lord that he was able to receive these unusual commands and move forward. Isaiah 55 tells us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Walking by faith and not by sight is something we're called to do, yet when we're facing challenges and battles that come either unexpectedly or we've been going through something difficult for a while, can be easier said than done. So we're going to read Joshua chapter 6 and talk about just the spiritual disciplines and strategies that I believe the Lord has put on my heart to share with you tonight. So we're going to read the entire text, so bear with me. This is strength and endurance reading through the whole um, book, but I believe that um, I'm going to go through it, and you guys, we can just go um, dive into it. So if you open up your Bibles, please open up to Joshua chapter 6, and we will go ahead and begin reading in verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass, when they make a long blast, when the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was, when Joshua had spoken to the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priest continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle going around it once. Then he came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark went on continually and blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the, to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. 
And now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that, sh that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted with, when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives, and they left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron. They put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out to spy Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord, who rises up and builds the city Jericho. He shall lay his foundations with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the country. So let's pray. Lord, we are just in awe of who you are. God, we lift your name on high. God, we give you the glory, Lord, and we give you the praise that is due unto your name. God, I pray that you just go before us, Lord, in this study. I pray that your spirit just be in this place, Lord, moving in hearts. I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to your word, to the things that I believe you have spoken to my heart, Lord. I pray that it be your words completely in and through me, Lord, and that you receive all the glory. We lift you name, we praise you, we lift your name on high in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the land is promised. They have reached the land, yet now we see in verse 1 that the city was completely fortified. There's a wall blocking them from entering into the promised land. If that was me, I would look at this wall and say, there's no way I'm going to be able to come in now. There is a huge impossibility set before them, an obstacle that maybe, but we don't read that here, where it would have caused some of our hearts to doubt and to question what the Lord promised God was doing a mighty work on behalf of his people, and so the enemy's response was to set up walls and keep the works of the enemy out, or of, the, of God out. And we are told in previous chapters by Rahab that um, the inhabitants of Jericho were faint-hearted, that their hearts melted. They had been hearing and talking about the works of God. In fact, when the two spies went into the land, Rahab tells them, we had heard and we have seen the great work of God from the time that they took them out of Egypt, passing through the Red Sea. So this was 40 years prior. So now they're hearing 
and continuing to hear that God's mighty hand is working on behalf of his people. So we know that they are faint-hearted. So this wall, this impossibility, this impossible situation set before them was something that did not surprise the Lord because he is sovereign. In fact, he knew what was going to be set before them. In Joshua chapter 1, he was encouraging his people, you're going to go through these things, but be strong and courageous. I will be with you. And in fact, it was fulfilling his promise when he told his children in Exodus 23, 7, I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. In Deuteronomy, we're told that I will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon the land. The people were scared of what God was doing and working his miracles on behalf of the Israelites. Of course, the enemy's response was to keep them out. Lance reminds us that when God is at work, the enemy is always there to oppose it. So it's not a surprise that the enemy is trying to keep the works of the Lord out, especially in the city of Jericho, that they were just wicked and not following any ways of the Lord. Yet I believe that Joshua and the children of Israel were reminded and encouraged by the promise that he had given them in chapter 1, where he says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I will be with you. It was his presence that gave the Israelites the courage to march forward in obedience. The battle strategy, again, would require complete dependence on the Lord. It was not going to be in any form of their own strategies or tactics or any human strategy because we know that only God can work such a miracle on behalf of his people. God will deliver his people. They just simply had to trust and wait that he would do so. So let's get some information on why Jericho, because again, if that was me, it's like, is there any other way? Can we go through the back? You know, we want to always avoid those battles that are before us. When we know something's coming our way, we tend to try to find another way. But we were encouraged throughout the chapters that we have already discussed that battles and challenges are always going to be before us. We cannot escape them. We are to have courage and face them with courage because God is with us, giving us the strength to march forward in obedience. So again, things about Jericho, we know that it was in the land of Canaan, so they were already in the promised land. And Jericho was a gateway city into the land, so it was an axis, the way to get into the land. It was going to be their first battle, so we know that they had to conquer Jericho to get to the rest of the places um, to possess the land, the land that the Lord was giving them. It was not an exceptionally large city, the book tells us that Jericho's population was about 1,200 people. And um, so which means that by the time they were marching, they were able to do it in Wednesday, one day, march around the city. The city was fortified by double ring walls. It didn't just have one wall, but it was double ring walls. It was said that the outer wall was six feet thick and the inner was 12. And also Jericho was built on a hill. So the fact that it was built on a hill usually meant that in order to take the, the, take the land, it would cause a mounting steep incline, which put the Israelites at a disadvantage. Um, it was said that attackers of such a fortress often use um, a siege of several months to cause surrender through starvation. Several months. So that put the Israelites at an even greater disadvantage, an impossibility set before them. 
Again, this could have easily discouraged the Israelites. It could have kept them from moving forward in obedience. And it could have caused them to doubt God's original promise to them that he had given them the land. It could have been a setback, and it could have possibly delayed their march forward in obedience. But the Israelites did not allow the obstacles set before them by the enemy to keep them from walking into all that God had for them. Their eyes and hearts were on the Lord, and that's what strengthened them and gave them the courage to march forward. Like the Israelites, we too should not allow the impossibilities, the impossible situations in our life to keep us from walking into all that God has for us. So a few questions I have, two questions. What do you do when the Lord has called you to the impossible? How do you respond when there are obstacles set before you by the enemy to keep you from walking into God's plan for your life? I believe based off of this chapter, the Lord has spoken to me about spiritual weapons and disciplines, and the answer to this is three uh, responses. Number one, you take God at his word. Number two, you silently wait on him. And number three, you rest in the Lord. So we see that Joshua was now given the instructions. Again, his heart was yielded and surrendered to the Lord to receive the unusual battle plan. He did not question. He did not ask any. He didn't give his own opinion. He didn't try to give another strategy. He just yielded and accepted what the Lord had given. So the battle plan was to march around the city once with all the uh, men of war, and the priests were to join them blowing the ram's horn's trumpet continually for six days. But on the seventh day, they were to march around the city seven times. And of course, the priest bearing um, the Ark of the Lord an unusual battle plan. It didn't make any sense. And I'm sure that when they heard the plan, they were probably questioning it as well. So a ram's horn, we're told that the priests were to be blowing that continually. Um, having the priests in battle was an unusual request. They weren't normally in battle. But I think it's Exodus or Numbers. We're told that the only reason why priests would be in a battle was to encourage the people. So I thought that was interesting to have the priests in this specific battle, maybe to encourage them. And the shafar, which is the ram's horn, has uh, different uh, meanings in scripture and used for different things. But some that stood out to me was they were used for praise and worship, warfare and victory. So they were to be blowing the trumpet continually and it would represent victory. And of course, the ark represents the presence of the Lord. And this was prominent in this victory. As it was with the crossing of the Jordan, their hearts and minds were to be completely on the Lord and not on the impossibility of the situation. They were to keep their focus on the Lord and know that he was fighting the battle for them. So it was his presence, again, that gave them the courage to march forward in obedience. So Joshua knew the promises of the Lord. He believed the promises, and he obeyed. What do you do when the Lord has called you to the impossible? You take God at his word, something that we see Joshua do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. The Lord tells Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. The Lord reminded Joshua that the battle was already won, that he had already given them victory. So as they're marching around the walls, they already had victory. They were not marching to gain the victory, but they were marching from victory. Faith trusts God at his word. 
From the world's perspective, faith does not make any sense. It is illogical. Sometimes faith can seem like you're the only one running this way when everyone else is running that way. But faith is not going to make sense to the world because what God asks us to do, his ways are higher and his plans are higher. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Leaning on our own understanding is dangerous. We tend to want to know the details. We want to know the outcome. We want to know what that's going to require of us. We want to know how God's going to work before we even step forward in what he's asking us to do. But again, you take God at his word like Joshua, and you're able to see victory in your battle. We can trust the Lord even when what he's asking us does not make any sense. Because for real, half the time, it's never going to make any sense. So when we trust God at his word, we're gaining a heart of obedience because we're trusting in the assurance of his character, of who he is. We're trusting that he is with us. But most importantly, we're trusting in the goodness of God, that his plans for us are good. Joshua did not question the commands. He knew that what the Lord was leading them to was good, a good land of rest and of promise, an inheritance that he was giving them. But again, Joshua had to receive the instruction from the Lord himself, believe it, and then he had to go tell the rest of the troops what the Lord said to him. That alone also takes humility and trusting the Lord at his word to tell them. And then we see their response. So as we saw in verse 8, now the, after Joshua gives the rest of the troops the, the commands, we see their response, and it says, So it was when Joshua had spoken... As we continue reading, when Joshua gave the command to the priests and to the armed men, they did. They did not question. They did not question Joshua's authority over them because they knew that Joshua was under the Lord, receiving his instructions from the Lord. I believe that Joshua's confidence in the Lord gave the Israelites the confidence to move forward. Joshua did not delay his obedience. He obeyed immediately. When we find it hard to trust the Lord... We delay our obedience. And delayed obedience is not obedience. God wants us to fully devote ourselves to him, completely yielded to his instructions. Again, because he's leading us to a good place because he is good. And when we spend time in God's word, meditating on his word night and day, learning about the Lord, about his character, and just seeing who the Lord is, we're able to grow in our faith and in our assurance of who God is, trusting him. So every new battle that comes our way, we're able to face it because we know that he is faithful. He is truly faithful and trustworthy. Spending time in his word is going to allow us to be strengthened in the Lord, to know his character and move forward with our battles. And what we believe about the Lord will determine our obedience to him. It will determine our, our behavior. So again, Joshua's confidence gave the Israelites the confidence to move forward. And I truly believe that when we are walking in obedience to the Lord, trusting him at his word and walking by faith, those around us are able to see God's mighty power on display through our lives. It's giving God the glory. People are asking questions like, how is it that you're able to wake up and have so much joy when 
you're going through so much trial. How are you able to do this that's so difficult? What do you do? And they're asking questions, and we are to be ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. And it invites people in to be curious about the Lord, to want to know more about who he is. So truly, our obedience is not only just for ourselves, but it's for those around us. And God wants to use our obedience for those around us in our life. And people are watching our children are watching, our family is watching, our neighbors, our str strangers at the store, coworkers, everybody is watching. And our obedience gives God the glory, and it's his power on display. Lance always says, faith is confidence in God that leads to obedience to God. So again, Joshua standing on God's word, taking him at his word, was able to lead his obedience. But next, I believe we see another spiritual principle when we are given the new command, and it said, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice until I say shout. So what do you do when the Lord has called you to the impossible? We silently wait for God alone. Warren Wiersbe says, that if oh, the week's schedule was a test of their patience, the divine command of silence was a test of their self-control. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Wiersbe continues to say that in the Christian life, there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak, from Ecclesiastes 3.7. And he says, Wise is the child who knows the difference, the child of God who knows the difference. Joshua understood how influential words can be. If you remember, the former generation sent out 12 spies to check out the land to see what the land was, but it was because they were doubting. So out of the 12 spies, 10 came back with a bad report, and it was the 10 bad report that discouraged the people. Their words brought discouragement to the people despite the good fruit and the amazing things that the Lord was doing. It was their, dis um, their bad report that discouraged the people. Our words have an influence. So I believe Joshua was applying some wisdom here in this battle, saying, you know what, we're going to be quiet this time. We're just going to keep marching. Because again, words can either encourage or discourage. And also, the only thing permitted was the sound of the trumpets. So as they're in silence, marching around, remember that only Joshua knew when the walls would fall down. The Lord told him on the seventh day they will fall. But the rest of the troops did not, Joshua did not mention when the walls were going to fall. So they were just walking in obedience. And in the silence, they were only hearing the trumpets. And again, the trumpets were used for praise and worship and for triumph and to claim victory. So they were walking around hearing that. It was an unbroken sound of praise in the midst of the battle and unknown outcome. Wait on the Lord silently for him to deliver. Psalm 62.5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Lamentations 3.26 says, It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And Exodus 14.14 14 says, The Lord will fight for you, and you should only hold your peace. In a different translation, only have to be silent. 
I also believe I like to put myself in this position, right, marching around since they didn't know um, what was going to happen, right? You're marching around in silence. I would be looking at this wall thinking there's this huge impossibility before me. There's this huge thing blocking me from walking into God's promises. And I could have been speaking, complaining, discouraging, talking to friends, talking to the person marching behind me. Can you believe we're doing, right? We could have been doing so many things, but it's in the silence that the Lord wants to speak to us. And yes, sometimes his voice is loud, but other times we're told that it's a still, small voice. Joshua wanted to ensure that the people were not wasting their time having conversations with people that were not necessary, that were going to lose their focus on what the Lord was doing in that time. Again, I believe the silence was to redirect their heart and allow the Lord to speak in such a way that can only be done in silence. In 1 Peter 3, we're told that a quiet and gentle spirit is, well, is uh, pleasing to the Lord. In our book on page 135, it mentions that quietness is a spiritual discipline. It continues to say that a quiet heart imitates those who through faith and patience inherit the promises from Hebrews 6.12. God doesn't always call us to a loud walk. Sometimes victory comes from periods of quiet obedience, waiting on the Lord to speak. So remember, they were, Joshua was informed and told by the Lord that when you hear the sound of the trumpets, not only did they march around, but they had to be ready and alert to hear and to listen for the sound of the trumpets. If they were wasting time having conversations that were not necessary, they could have missed that sound of the trumpet to give the great shout of praise. They had to be ready, prepared, listening, and give that shout of joy. There's, a, I think it was Warren Wearsby or the book that the men are going through. I can't remember which book it was, but um, he, they were mentioning that Jericho is a gift of God's grace. And I thought, that's interesting, because who thinks of a challenge set before them as a gift of God's grace, right? But it was saying that sometimes we have to face those impossibilities, and God has gifted us that gift of grace to recognize that in our own strength, we are not able to do it, that we are to yield ourselves completely to him. And it's in those moments when we know that on our own strength, we cannot do it, that we allow the Lord to... Um, move in such mighty way and we just surrender to him and allow him to work on our behalf. I believe that in order to have the great shout to bring down those walls, because that shout meant a shout of joy and a shout of triumph, that they really had to have their hearts just ministered by the Lord. I believe that that silence was also a communion with the Lord, speaking to him in silence and allowing the Lord to minister to their hearts to have that shout of joy and of triumph. We know that when we are in praise and worship, it really is a work in the heart. And if our hearts are not right, if we're doubting, if we're not believing who the Lord is, we're not able to praise him and worship him for who he is. So that shout of joy in the time of silence and waiting on the Lord was an opportunity for the Lord to minister to their hearts personally and remind them of who he is. And again, to be ready to hear that sound of the trumpet and know that in the silence, God will deliver them. And then we move forward and we hear, and Joshua rose early in the morning 
But then we continue reading that they continually blew the trumpets in the same manner. We're hearing these words that there's some expectation and excitement. And again, the Israelites did not know when the walls would come down. Only Joshua knew. So as they are continuing, they had to completely rest in the Lord. So point number three, what do you do when the Lord has called you to the impossible? You rest in the Lord. There was a willingness to take that first step of obedience, but oftentimes the challenge comes when you have to continue taking steps of obedience and it doesn't make sense and you don't know the outcome. You don't know how much longer this battle is going to be. You don't know what the Lord is doing. It's in those times when you're questioning and you have to take those constant continued steps of obedience that the Lord wants to remind you to rest in him alone. I believe the answer to that was in verse 11 and 14. It says, So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And then in verse 14 it says, And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. I believe that the time going back to the camp was a time of rest, resting in the Lord to be renewed, to be strengthened in his word and in his presence. We too need that rest in order to continue to do the work that God has called us to. When we are facing the impossibility and the challenges set before them, before us, we need to rest in the Lord completely. Psalm 37.7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The psalmist is not talking about an absence of rest from physical rest or um, stopping physical activity, right? Sometimes that's not possible to do. I know you working moms, and I don't know how you do it, homeschool moms, right? You are constantly working, and you don't have that time to rest but rather it's a spiritual rest. It's a rest from striving, from anxiety, from worry. It's a rest from any human efforts altogether. The Hebrew word translated for rest means to be still, to be at peace, to be quiet. Coming back to the camp to lodge at night would allow the Israelites to rest in the Lord, to be strengthened. They were able to continually blow the trumpets in the same manner as we're told. Again, they don't know how much longer this battle was going to be, how much longer till the Lord brought the walls down. But they continued in, with an expectant heart, with possibly joy in their heart. They were marching, doing what the Lord had called them to do because they knew that God was with them and giving them the rest. And he didn't ask for them to do more. The, you don't see the Israelites doing more than what they were asked. They simply obeyed for the instructions of the day. They didn't try to keep marching, even though the Lord said only once. They didn't try to strive and do it in their own plan or tactics. They only did what was required of them for that day, resting in the Lord. And we know that sometimes that is difficult. Again, when you don't know how much longer, when you don't know how God is working, what he is doing, the Israelites did not see a, a speck or a crack on the wall. They just kept doing what God had called them to do. Elizabeth Elliot says, Sometimes life is so hard, you can only do the next thing. Whatever that is, just do the next thing, and God will meet you there. Their time in resting in the Lord renewed their strength and renewed their mind. 
Again, that rest has nothing to do with ourselves, but it's God working through you. It's his presence, his power in and through you, allowing you to take that step-by-step obedience. Each morning they would rise early, they would have an expectant heart, and they would know that as long as the Lord was with them, he was fighting the battle for them. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap a harvest if you do not lose heart. I think that last part is important, if you do not lose heart. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. True rest is found only in Jesus. Resting in the Lord allows us to continue the work that he has called us to, to strengthen us. Again, Jericho could have been a battle, a gift of God's grace to remind them that on their own strength they are not able to. For when we are weak, then he is strong. He is fighting our battles for us. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says that perseverance produces character and character hope. The Israelites were able to endure, to persevere, to continue because of the Lord being with them, resting in him. God has called us to hard things, and he's always going to allow us to test our faith, but he's going to be strengthening us. He wants us to go from faith to faith, from strength to strength. And each new battle is that opportunity for us to grow in the Lord and for our strength to be and our faith to be strengthened. We know that he is always desiring that our faith grow so that we can face a new challenge that he is putting before us. So now it happened, right? We get to the great shouts, but I believe again, trusting God at his word, waiting silently on him, and resting in the Lord during this time before the walls came down reminded them that God was working for them. And it happened when they heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat. Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the Israelites marched around the city, trusting God at his word, waiting on him silently and resting in the Lord. And then we're introduced to Rahab. We went over Rahab in chapter 2. But we're told that she knew that the God was working on behalf of the people, and she put her faith and trust in the Lord. But it also required action. So she tied the cord and trusted that God was going to be faithful. She, too, had to uh, take God at his word. She had to wait silently on him, and she had to rest in the Lord. Because can you imagine she's trusting these two spies to do what they had said that they were going to do? Now, as the walls are crumbling down and falling, I can only imagine Rahab just waiting there, but she had the faith to trust and believe in God, and she knew. So it says here that the two spies did go in and saved her and her family. Now, I believe it was her courage and her strength that really allowed um, the Israelites to go back and give a good report to Joshua. Again, our obedience influences those around us. Rahab told them, I believe that the Lord your God is God and that he is God of heaven and on earth. And the, the spies were able to go back to Joshua and say, indeed, the Lord has given us this land. She was obedient and she trusted in the Lord because she knew that he was going to be faithful to bring down those walls. And so her and her family were saved. 
And God always has a purpose in saving us. And we know that she's now listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And that is only God's working power to redeem his people. But then they were given another command, and that was to uh, destroy everything in the city. So the people were to destroy everything there. In Deuteronomy, we're told that you shall not worship the Lord your God with such things to utterly destroy everything, serving other gods. In Deuteronomy 11, we're told that to keep every commandment. So we know that by them keeping the commandments, they would uh, receive blessing. But if they disobeyed, they would receive a curse. So God was cleansing out the city that God was giving his chosen people, and he had to remove the sin from it so that it wouldn't um, touch the, the chosen people. Deuteronomy 28 says, Diligently obey the voice of the Lord. And it says that if you... And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become abstained. That word abstain means to deliberately and often with an effort of self-denial of action. In the book on page 124, it says, God intended for, the, intended for the Canaanites to dispossess the land, but if the Israelites failed, they instead would be dispossessed. Matthew Henry wrote, Let us hear this and fear... If we do not drive out sin, sin will drive us out. If we be not the death of our lust, our lust will be the death of our souls. Psalm 119, 37, 38 says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Again, the obedience would cause blessings and disobedience would cause curses. So by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. The impossibility was set before them, and the wall was keeping them from walking into all that God had for them. Yet the Israelites kept um, their hearts focused on the Lord who was present with them. And Jericho is an encouragement to us to trust the Lord's promises and to obey his instructions, no matter how impossible the situation might be. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We do not use physical weapons or human efforts to do what only God can do. Again, what do you do when the Lord has called you to the impossible? Joshua 6 encourages us to take God at his word, wait silently on him, and rest in the Lord. We receive our spiritual inheritance by God's grace. We accept it by faith but only enjoy it if we are obedient to his will. Taking God at his word, waiting silently on him, and resting in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are just thankful for your word. Thank you for allowing us to gather here today, Lord, and just um, learn more about you. God, we thank you for the gifts of your grace, Lord, that allow us to be strengthened in our faith, God. We know that you don't leave us, Lord, that you are with us always, Lord. And no matter what we face, we can trust you, Lord. No matter how long it takes to walk around walls, Lord, of difficulty, Lord, to not know the outcome, God, we can trust you and we can give um, just our hearts to you, knowing that your plans for us are good, that, Lord, that you lead us to victory. We are victorious in you, Jesus. 
I pray for all of us tonight, Lord, to just um, continue to trust you, Lord, at your word, to wait silently, silently on you, Lord, and to rest in your presence. God, I pray for our group time that uh, the women may be encouraged by each other, continuing to just share what you have spoken to our hearts through the study. Lord, I pray that you continue to anoint our time as we are kicking off again the studies in Joshua. Lord, I pray that you just help us keep coming and be diligent to seek you, Lord, in this time, diligent to walk by faith and not by sight, Lord, to continue to seek more of you, Lord. So I pray for our time, and we ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Susan. It's a great message. I love how you brought up, um, oh, sorry. My name's Stephanie, for those of you guys who don't know me. And Kayla is also joining us on our panel for tonight. And so we're just going to be um, discussing a couple of questions for those of you who are watching online and don't have a group. And then um, we'll end after this. So thank you, Susan. Um, I just want to point out, I love how you brought up how the priests were only called into battle for encouragement. And what a like awesome reminder for right now, the times that we're living in, is that we are called into coming to the body for encouragement, especially when we're going through trials. If we're um, at home and trying to do this on our own, it's going to be hard to to push through. And so we need that encouragement because we're human. There's no way that we could do it on our own. And so... Um, to point that out it was really awesome. And then how you even talked about how they were already praising God for the victory mm-hmm. every day before the victory even took place. And what a what an awesome example of faith and encouragement for us. Like, are we praising God in our victories right now? And so um, I loved, love, love, love that portion. But um, I believe you have some questions for us to discuss. And so go ahead. Yeah, and thanks for yeah reminding us, right, because... Um, like you said about the priest being encouragement, but coming into the body, being encouraged. I think coming into settings like this really encourages women. Um, I was just speaking to a few new women tonight, but it's just so encouraging to see a lot of new faces too. We're always encouraged by welcoming new people, and it's so um, uplifting for me to see that they're excited to go into the word and some of them maybe haven't been here a long time but they're excited to get back into um, joining as a group so yeah I think it's very necessary that could even be an impossibility set before us right Right. not coming here but um, yeah I have a few questions that I would like to ask maybe I can start off with Kayla she always has great insight Um, but just some questions, and actually I got them from the book. So we are going through, in case you're new and um, haven't joined us before, but Living Fearlessly through uh, Linnea Heisick's book, and we're studying the book of Joshua, and it's been so encouraging to go through this book. And I thought I would use some questions from the book to ask um, our ladies here tonight. But how might you move forward with strength and courage in a challenging situation? So I believe now is a time that we are called to walk in courage, to walk with what the Lord has put on our hearts to do. And again, his commandments are uh, his enablements. He gives us the strength. But we want to hear from you, Kayla. How might you move forward with strength and courage in a challenging situation? Yeah, I'm excited to be here, excited to chat with you guys. Um, Yeah, moving forward in strength and in courage, especially, like you said, in this day and age, is incredibly challenging. And one thing that I noticed that you even kind of pointed out 
was that um, the Ark of the Covenant went with them, and that's the presence of God. And I don't think that we can do this without His presence, and I wouldn't even want to. Like you said, it would be impossible to. So I think that's like the first thing that comes to mind is just not doing it on your own strength and not doing it with your own courage. And um, you look at Rahab, and she's like, we've heard all about you guys. We know what you're capable of, what your God is capable of. And that challenge itself is you know, that, that she had no idea what was in store, but she trusted that God was a God who was going to take care of his people and who was going to give them the victory. And, and even at the end of that chapter, you see that um, Joshua's fame spread throughout the whole land. So what is kind of like the question would be like, what is our reputation? Do people know us as, as people of strength and courage who depend on the Lord? And we can't do that without God's presence. And um, the way that we enter into his presence, I mean, we do that many different ways, but like through worship and through a time of prayer and, and, and spending time in his word. And I think that when you start to forsake those things, you see the spirit of the Lord start to forsake you and to for, start to forsake, you know, the things that you're doing in your life. And so um, I think now more than ever in the world that we're living in, we need to go forward with his presence. Um, yeah. yeah, I love um I just love how even the Old Testament, even though it seems like it's just stories, it's so applicable for us today. And um, walking through them, going into this battle, because we are facing battles every single day. And um, things that I liked how you pointed out as well is every night going back to camp to rest. And are we, um, especially if you're in a battle, uh, a hard time right now, are we resting in the Lord? Are we truly taking that time to, to rest in him? Because um, like Susan was saying, it's not a physical rest. Like, oh, I need to get my nine hours of sleep. It's a spiritual rest. Like, are we surrendering? Are we or are we trying to strive? How she said, they didn't try to walk around twice. Um, they walked around once, just like they were told. And what what are our actions when we're going through trials? And so looking forward, there's so much application in here of how we can pursue um, the battles that are before us and remembering that um, praising the Lord are ready for the victories because we know that he is making us victorious in our everyday life. And so that is the attitude that we should have. That is the attitude um, I would want to have, especially again, in this world that we're living in. Like I, I'm a person who likes to think ahead and like, okay, what if this happens? What would I do? Like, that's just my mentality. And even more so as a mom now, like, okay, if the world was to come down crazy, what would I do? How would I protect my son? Like, that's what my goal is now. I don't care what about me, but how am I going to stay alive and well enough to protect my son spiritually? Like, what am I doing? Even though he's one, <laughs> but practical things. I, today I literally just printed out a um, poster of the armor of God and I put it up in my kitchen already. So just talking about the armor of God while I'm feeding him breakfast or lunch or something, it's like we have to think prior, but also taking that rest in the Lord and, and not letting our anxieties and our worries get a hold of us, making sure our spiritual life is really truly rested. And because when you have that, that rest and that peace, it is easy to be obedient because you're like, God's got this. He's already brought me through. And so um, that's super, super, super important to have that. Yeah, and I think going along with that for me, 
when you're in a challenging situation or when he's asking you to do something challenging, you're going to have so much coming your way. I think that it's in the moments of our obedience that you start experiencing warfare. You start getting the opinions of other people. People start questioning your acts of obedience and it starts making if you're not resting in the Lord and if you're not taking God at his word and spending time with him, it's going to confuse what the Lord had already spoken to your heart. So I think resting in the Lord to hear from the Lord and continue because he doesn't just speak once. He continues to speak and directs our step as we are in his word. And it's going to be the light that literally guides our path to know what decisions we need to make as moving forward and not to think that we are hearing from the Lord when we're really not. That's a scary place to be too because our anxiety might be louder. Our fear might be louder and we're thinking this is what the Lord said when really that's maybe not what the Lord said. So I think resting in the Lord to hear clearly from the Lord to be able to discern what He is asking for us to do in that moment. I just want to kind of piggyback on what you guys are both saying. Um, Steph had mentioned as well that like God had already promised them the victory and I know you mentioned as well that um, it was spoken in past tense, like he has given us this land, like it's not something he's going to do. And it um, reminded me of Jonah in Jonah 2, 4 through 6, where Jonah's like in the belly of the whale. He's literally in like the worst circumstances you can imagine. He's in the depths of the ocean and he's like, God, you've delivered me out of the pit. And I'm like, God hasn't delivered him yet. He's still <laughs> in the belly of the whale. He's still like in there. But he, he had full assurance and trust that, that that's what God was going to do. And so he spoke of it past tense as if it had already happened. And so I think that's the faith that we need to be displaying right now, like in the world that we're living in. Like, hey, God has delivered us. He's like, he's already set this path before us to follow. And we can take hope and assurance in, in that and, and trust that he's a good God. And even what you were saying, kind of um, like silently waiting on him. I was, I was thinking, or actually you were saying like resting in him and that rest and everything. But... Um, the silent part is what gets me, like silently waiting on the Lord. And even you were mentioning it, like, why was the silence? And I hadn't really thought about it. I was like, I don't know. And I, I was telling a friend the other day, I was like, I could totally be silent for six days. That'd be so easy. But then I say, no, no. Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not if I was in the same room with these two. But um, <laughs> I think we would not be uh, good silent people. But, um, but just the, the fact that we'd be complaining and like, you know, what do you think about that? And, oh, Joshua said this. When do you think it's over? Like, you know, that's human nature is that we just want to question and we want to complain and we want to argue. And um, the Lord wasn't having any of that. He's like, I know what happened the last time you guys talked. And, like, you mentioned with the spies and everything. And so, yeah, that was just another thing that was, like, the importance of being silent when you're waiting on the Lord. Something we need to work on. <laughs> having the wisdom of when to speak and when not to speak. Yes. That's me trying to learn that lesson right now <laughs> yeah because they, they were to to shout when the lord said shout right and so here it wasn't just okay you can speak now but it was specifically an instruction of what to speak what to say so yeah we have to discern even like what is okay to speak you know and and again joshua applied some wisdom there because if it wasn't words of encouragement it could discourage the people it could have caused unnecessary chatter and they would have missed you know hearing from the lord and hearing the trumpet sound and what God was doing in that moment. Good insight, ladies. Our next question is, have you ever been mocked or questioned for your obedience to the Lord? Because, you know, we know that people are watching and it's not always easy. And what do others have to say? Maybe unsaved family members or even, you know, people we know that, you know, so what, answer the question before I, <laughs> I add to it. 
So like today or yesterday or when? <laughs> Pick a day. No. It's an everyday thing, right? <laughs> it is an everyday thing. But one thing that when um, you had brought that up, this like automatically jumped in my mind. And it was it was so long ago, but it still is um, affecting me today. Um, how you were saying like sometimes you do obey, but then like you still question, was that the right choice? Um, and so I had graduated high school five years ago. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a while ago. And I had got, I had a full ride scholarship to a private university. And so I went the first semester and the whole semester, I was like, this is not right. Like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I just don't feel it. But I was like, but this must be it because it's totally paid for. Like, why would, why would that be a thing? And since I was little, like the Lord had just put ministry on my heart. Like I was constantly just wanting to be at church, serving, serving, serving. And I just felt like I needed to, to drop out of college. And so I talked to my parents and my parents are always like, Oh, Mija, whatever you say, just, they don't call me Mija, but they always like, they always back me up with whatever I want to do, no matter what. Like, I could murder somebody, and they'd be like, no, you didn't. Um, so they were, like, on board with me, obviously. But then I started telling other people, and they are like, what? Like, everybody was, like, questioning me, grilling me, telling me, like, you're not thinking of your future. You're not thinking of this. But I knew in my heart, like, the Lord wanted me in ministry. And so I pursued that. And it was very hard, like continue in that decision but I'm also a very stubborn person so I think that helps me be obedient when I'm ready to be obedient I will but your obedience is not obedience <laughs> when I hit my mid-20s and the situation for me was not what I thought it was going to be it wasn't easy anymore and I had like a huge bump in the road I was like what did I do like what am I even thinking and I remember totally doubting and questioning seven years prior of that and the Lord is so good and so amazing because I was sitting in um, a, a study here and somebody was there it was a graduation actually and they had mentioned that success true success is doing what God has called you to do and I was like because that day was like I was off and I was like okay so I went home that night and I just happened to be going through my journals and that same exact phrase was written there and I read it and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I know you're doing something. I don't know what, but you're doing something. And, and he did. And even to like, sometimes I still doubt, like, should I have gone to school? Should I have been a teacher? Should I have done what I was called to do? But the Lord, every time I have those doubts, he brings something or somebody says something that reminds me like, no, I've called you for this purpose and for this reason. And you need to be obedient in it. And so... It is like a um, a continual obedience. It's not a one-time thing. It, you need to continually walk in that obedience that he called you to. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> my time also happened in college. <laughs> or my times, my most memorable moments. Last year. Last year. Yeah, I know, for real. feels like it. Um, but yeah, I like I went away to a private university for three years, and then I went to a public university internationally for a couple years, and um, just kind of, I think once you leave home, like I was raised around the church, I was always like in this insulated bubble of like, I know everybody and everyone agrees with me and everyone thinks the same way I do. And so to go outside of that and be completely challenged at every turn, I was like, okay, I have to give, like you said, you always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. 
in season and out of season. You got to be ready. And so um, I remember other believers, like even at my college, my college was like a dry campus, which means you're not allowed to drink any alcohol. And so um, I had friends that drank and partied and all that stuff. But one one person asked me one time, they're like, why? Like, if you go off campus, then you're not bound by those rules anymore. Like, you signed a contract, but who cares? Like, no one's here to enforce it. And I was like, well, it's not that drinking's wrong. Like, I don't, I'm not judging you. You could do whatever you want. I don't care. I said, but I signed that contract. And so that's like, my obligation is my word. Like, I'm bound by that. Like, I said I wasn't going to do it and I'm not going to. And your conviction. Yeah, and my conviction. I was like, absolutely. That's what, yeah, that's what God has called me. My yes is my yes and my no is my no. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And so they're just like, oh. And even though they disagreed with me, it was like, they respected that decision. And um, then, Again, and even that's at a Christian university. So you're like, you would think everyone was kind of on the same page, but absolutely not. And we see that reflected, I think, in social media today, you know, with uh, (laughs) Christians on Facebook and Instagram and whatever. But um, yeah, and then living outside of my parents' home for five years and even internationally, like I was studying human rights and people were asking me, like, why on earth do you believe that, like, you know, in the right to life. And why do you think that, you know, I was challenged all the time and I always had to be ready because like, okay, well, in God's word, it says this and God's word, it says this. And, um, and living in Ireland, which is a predominantly Catholic country, I thought, okay, these people have a lot of the same values that I do, but no, it's like a secular country that, um, wears the facade of, you know, Catholicism, like that it's a very religious thing. And so, um, I would go through, I said, okay, we, we can agree that God, that the Bible is God's word. Yes. Okay. So let's go see what God's word says about this. And I would walk through that and they say, that's crazy. I've never heard that before. And I'm like, yeah, you could open up your own Bible and it's right there. And that's what I believe. And so, um, I think challenging that in my foundations were severely challenged for those five years. And it kind of just solidified what I believed and, and brought me closer to the Lord in those times. And so now, and, you know, I'm not an argumentative person at all. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally love arguing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm always always up for a good discussion or a good debate about these things. And I'm always open to other people's opinions on it. But I know where I stand. And that's not going to change because God's word doesn't change. God doesn't change. So, for me, I think that that, it was very tumultuous in those years when I was like, I don't know what I actually believe. I have to figure this out because my whole life I've been taught this. But do I actually believe it? And so... Um, again, another thing that my dad always says, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so I'm like, all right, I, if I want a faith that I actually believe in, that's my own, it's not my parents, it's not my friends or families, then it is going to be challenged and I have to stand up for that. And again, saying that you look around the world today and if, if your faith isn't being tested, then it can't really be trusted. But yeah. He so. always says also, Lance quotes again, <laughs> your faith is only as good as what you place it in. Yeah. Exactly. I like, he always, those are his main things, especially. Um, and remember who you is. <laughs> That's in my head always. Your mom's <laughs> listening online. Don't say that. <laughs> I, <know>. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I think going off of both, I haven't, I mean, maybe I have, I can't remember right now, a decision where it's like, okay, the Lord is asking me to do something unusual. But I think as you're mentioning those things, right, um, the Lord calling me back to a walk with him, I had to let go of a lot of things that I thought were okay and people did not understand that because, you know, my family knew me as that person. And then you completely devote yourself to the Lord. And it's just these unusual steps of obedience that 
don't make sense to people. And um, I just remember having like a heart to be at church and to hear the word. It was transforming me. It wasn't because I like to be in this place, but God's word was doing something in my heart that I wanted to be here on Wednesday night. I wanted to be here Thursday. I wanted to be here on Sunday. There was a Bible study on a Tuesday. I'm there. I wanted to work here. <laughs> I wanted, I still want to work here. Just kidding. Um, but the Lord was just changing my heart in that. And and people didn't understand that. What do you mean you go to church on this day? What do you mean you go on this day? And it just doesn't make any sense, but it's just those things that the Lord works out in our hearts and our obedience to Him because we're just desiring more of Him. And so, yeah, we're questioned because what God is going to ask of us is not going to look like the world as it shouldn't look like the world because He wants us to be set apart. But what do we do with that? Like you said, Kayla, our tested faith is not trusted faith. That's a good one. Thank you, Lance, because, you know, um, it's true. And what are we going to stand on? Are we going to fall back on allowing people to speak into our life when maybe God is calling us the other way? I think friends and the sphere of influence around us has a great deal to do with what our decision is going to be. Are we going to trust the Lord or are we going to keep allowing people to lean us that way as well? Yeah, and it's not just obedience, like for our sake, but to be an example to others and when you're talking sorry I just um a couple years ago I was on vacation and I went to visit my sister and her husband and they're not walking with the Lord right now but they enjoy drinking and so he kept offering me a drink he's like it's not a big deal you're not getting drunk nobody else knows you're on vacation and I said doesn't matter if I'm on vacation doesn't matter if it's if I'm not getting drunk I have chosen to not drink, and so I'm not going to drink. He's like, I'm going to get you to drink by the end of this week. And I was all, I'm drinking water bottles for the rest of the week because you're not spiking nothing I'm having. But to just have that, like, standard and allow the Lord to just use that obedience to either convict others or to um, bring them to a place like, oh, wow, like, that's different. Like, if they aren't walking with the Lord or never knew the Lord, just like wondering, like, what is it that makes them desire to be obedient in such a small, minimal thing that doesn't, it's not necessarily a sin, but yet they're being obedient in it, and it just sparks interest in other people. And I, um, briefly, I just, I remember one time I got into, like, a bit of a disagreement um, with a friend when I was in Ireland and I was accused of something that someone else had done and I knew they had done it. And so I was like livid. Cause I was like, this is not my fault. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be accused of something I didn't do. And I was about ready to go like, okay, observation one, observation two, observation, you know, like get in my debate mode or whatever. And I remember like very clearly the Lord told me, um, as a lamb, lamb was silent before the slaughter. So he opened not his mouth. Like, like that was just in my head, like nonstop. And I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I can't not say anything. I can't. I'm like, this is such an injustice. And he's like, well, what about me? What happened to me? Like that wasn't just either. And I, um, it was funny cause on page 130 of the book in the margin, it was that same scripture. And I was like, stinking reminders, man. The Lord's just bringing it back to, you know, my memory. But I was like, what good purpose could this have? Like I couldn't imagine how not standing up for myself would play out in a good way. And the girl who had been, who had actually been in trouble and should have actually gotten in trouble for that. I didn't say anything, but she was watching me like a hawk. Like her eyes were just like glued on me. Like, what's she going to say? She's going to throw me under the bus. And it was like a group project type thing. So I was like, okay. And I just said, all right. And then I was like, all right, anything else we want to talk about? And I didn't say anything. And so <laughs> anything else. And I was like, the letter was like, nope, nope, nope. And I literally, it was just like, okay, hold it. 
And then after that, she came up to me and she was like, why'd you do that? You know, and we were talking, I was like, this is going to sound stupid. I'm like, the Lord told me not to say anything, even though I wanted to. And she's like, okay, I really appreciate that. And it opened up a relationship with that person. And I was able to share with her about the Lord. But who knows if that would have happened if I had just like immediately thrown her under the bus and been like, no, she didn't uphold her part of it. And I did my part. No, no, no. So the flesh wants the credit, but the Lord's like, give me the glory. And so I think that that's like, even what you're saying, like knowing what to say and when to say it and knowing when to stay silent, like that needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, then again, who knows if those walls would have fallen down around Jericho? Probably not. (laughs) They would have never gotten through that city months and months and months of besieging a city that's well fortified for, for such a thing. But God doesn't work in the ways we expect. Thank God. I think that ends our time. We went over because that's what we do. Um, But thank you guys for listening online. And we are here again next week. Same time, same place. Um, Hopefully you could visit in person. If not, we will see you again um, online. And you can still buy the book if you want to. Oh, yeah. Still buy the book. (laughs) All right. Have a good night.